Yakshamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, analysis. I'm Jay Kukorowski, the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski, coming to you live on a Thursday night. Little different format. We're changing some things up, improving some of the audio quality that we have here uh, in our digital studio. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. A little bit of a new theme song is what we're working on too. It's coming up in just, uh, I'd say about maybe 10, 15 minutes, we're gonna play our interview with Dare Ogumbawale. Had a great chance to talk with Dare uh, a little earlier this evening, talking about what he's doing down in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg. A little bit nicer down there in terms of weather for what we've experienced the past couple of days, uh, rain, it's been raining when I drove home, ice earlier this week, couldn't get out of my stupid cul-de-sac, which is always fun here in Southwest Madison. So we'll talk to him about how what he's been doing since the Cotton Bowl, uh, what he's been improving on, trying to get better at, and also kind of a look back on his, on his Wisconsin career. And so we're excited to play that interview in a little bit. We'll talk Big news, obviously, too, in the NBA from the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Adendokumpo named Eastern Conference starter for the 2017 NBA All-Star Game. Huge news there for the Milwaukee Bucks and the, their young superstar. So we'll dive into what that means along with, you know, Bucks have lost five of the last seven. So we'll, we'll kind of dig into that, too. So, but before that, Scotty. How's your week been? And obviously, we're not talking about a year in review for the Green Bay Packers. After giving up a sizable lead on Sunday, still hold on. 34-31 victory off the leg of Mason Crosby and one of the more incredible throws. And maybe more, let's say it even, a better catch by Jared Cook to set up that 50-plus yard field goal by Mason Crosby to, to win the game and move them to Atlanta. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Mason Crosby, former Kielbasa Kings guest. Um, Absolutely. With two, with two big kicks. But what it does a couple of things. It either gets him one step closer to the Super Bowl, which I know most Packer fans are hoping for, or just delayed by a week the announcement that Ted Thompson might be retiring. We keep hearing those stories. And, uh, uh, you know, whether it be Wolf, whether it be Dorsey, who knows? But um, it was a great game. Um, it, there was a lot of very Packer-esque moments, though, like injuries. It can't be a Packer game with key players leaving the game. Um, Packers giving up a lead in the second half because they come out a little bit softer, maybe a little bit more flat. Um, but in the end, Aaron Rodgers and his arm and Jared Cook and and having a tight end that's a legitimate threat. Now, he's not Jermichael Finley, but he's certainly better than Richard Rodgers, and he allow, he's a matchup, uh, he's a tough matchup for uh, linebackers and safeties, and it was a, a combination that played very well on Sunday, and they're one step away from a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I really, there's part of me that really believes they have a, a legitimate shot to be playing the Super Bowl, and then I, the, the whole worry of the injuries, you know, Will they have enough healthy receivers? Will they have Morgan Burnett? Uh, you know, I guess we'll see. But Sunday, it was a, a, a huge win. 
And I don't usually take a vindictive, um, in-your-face kind of uh, stance when a, you know my team wins or, or loses. Um, and, and Dallas fans are Dallas fans. I don't have any problem with them. Uh, but it's nice to have guys like Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless have to sound even stupider in uh, or more stupid in trying to find reasons why Aaron Rodgers isn't a good quarterback again when they beat the team that you thought was going to win it all. So, um, you know, that, that there was a little bit of slow. And, of course, Skip Bayless. You know, here's the thing people have to understand about guys like Skip Bayless. Packer fans spend a lot of energy getting mad at, at guys like that. He's a sports entertainer. He's a heel, okay? Absolutely. That's his job. You're not – he'll I, anybody who watched – like, I watched the snippets because I just wanted to hear his stupid reasoning. Anybody who thought he was going to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, you haven't been paying attention because that's not what you're going to get from him. What you're going to get from him is more ridiculous uh, talk and, and uh, you know, same thing with why he hates LeBron James and all this. So anyway, if, you, if you're expecting him to backpedal and come off of his stance, it, you're, you're, you're going to be very disappointed because he's very much just – kind of a fraud he takes a stance he's playing a character you just got to kind of deal with that yeah with the bayless thing it's it's one thing like you said he's trolling uh and the big thing you know i guess uh i don't know how it's one thing you've taught me it's one thing i learned when with even indie wrestling and maybe other things too, obviously, because a lot of things apply universally. But when you, someone's making a lot of noise and they're, he's trying to get clicks, he's trying to be relevant. And you take a look at, I think it's Richard Deitch uh, from, I think hopefully I didn't butcher his last name from Sports Illustrated. But every time there's a hot take, you know, the Sports Illustrated writer, uh, he'll post something saying, Undisputed on FS1 drew 100,000 viewers. At that same time slot, like Gullah Gullah Island or, you know, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood draws 300,000 viewers. And so he's pointing out that he's doing it just for clicks. Bayless is it, but you know, it's one thing we learned, you know, I've learned, you know, someone's trying to rival up and, and try to get their name out, yada, yada. But really, I mean, the more you ignore them, the more they'll go away. And apparently, right. You know, with FS1, I mean, look at the viewership. He went from first take having, what, millions of viewers down to, what, a tenth of it, maybe, even less? So the more sure. you ignore and, him, the more he'll go away. And some of that is obviously ESPN, the brand and the market presence and that. But but I, I told, you know, one, the great late, great Steve Haywood and I used to argue about guys like Skip Bayless because – and he was right, but he was wrong because he said, you know – People want to hear that sort of stuff from Skip Bayless, and I'm like, yeah, but th but that just shows you what's wrong. There's people who want to get mad and worked up. I mean, clearly, if you're watching it with the intention of him making you mad, that kind of says something weird about you as well. You know, like why would you want to purposely do something that you know is going to make you feel a certain way that you don't want to feel? You know, like, uh, but it's unfortunate. It's like that in all walks of media. You know, you could talk about, you know, how many people are upset or how many people, you know, can't stomach the Kardashians, for example. But yet people can't turn away from them. You know, um, you know, we, we tend to, especially in this world, and I'm not blaming millennials. But I think it's all 
all generations who have fallen into the you know quick gratification social media uh, reactionary you know off the cuff reactionary world we live in now, and I just it's just something that is you know. Um, but anyway, it, it'll be it'll just be nice to hear him backpedal a couple more times, especially if the Packers get to the Super Bowl against his beloved Tom Brady. You know that could be some interesting fodder for two weeks if you're into that sort of thing. The game itself, um, you know, Packers played well offensively. Defensively, it was bend but don't break. They play a very good Atlanta offense where it might be tough to not break while they're trying to bend. They're going to have to outscore Atlanta in what's likely going to be a shootout again, and that's where you worry about the injuries. Will they have enough weapons on offense to engage in a shootout with a quarterback that arguably has had as good, if not a slightly better season than Aaron Rodgers in Matt Ryan. Right. So, you know, that, that's going to be a great matchup against a quarterback who's kind of cemented himself as a top-five quarterback and a guy in Matt Ryan who people have been expecting to be that for quite some time. Yeah, and you're looking at, you're talking about uh, a couple of things, and you, you mentioned it, you know, talking about the the injuries at wide receiver, which according to many, you know, what, four wide receivers right now are on the injury list, mm-hmm. but that includes uh, Geronimo Allison and, and Devontae Adams, and uh, we all saw during the game Adams with looked like an ankle sprain, Essentially, according to Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, he's saying that sources say the you know both Allison and Adams will be ready to play on Sunday. There are talks already. I think uh, Jordy Nelson appears not to be ready, or he, he's. They showed pictures from practice saying, you know, oh, he's lightly jogging. You know, he's catching footballs, but he wasn't in pads, uh, having a broken having broken ribs and, and trying to play, I, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, Super Bowl is a different story. The two weeks to heal up, maybe something happens there. Yeah, yeah, because if you get to the Super Bowl, that would have been four weeks, essentially, since the injury. Um, but even if he plays, so here's the thing. If he plays, you know, running full speed will likely cause a little discomfort in the ribs. Will he be willing to extend on a ball that's high over the middle and expose those ribs? And if he takes one hit, is he not only going to be done for the game, which he would be, but then out for the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of risk, even if he thinks he can give it a go. Um, How? I mean, you know, because you could say, okay, he wants to gut it out because if if you don't win Sunday, there's no Super Bowl. But he could take a hit on the second play of the game and be done. So then how much has he helped the team in that limited of a role? You know, if he plays a whole half and catches a touchdown and has three really nice catches, you could say he helped the team. If he gets hurt on the first series, did he help at all? Absolutely. So uh, looking at other injury report, uh, this is just looking off of what we saw with uh, Tom Silverstein, Milwaukee Journal, Sentinel, Packer News, looking at, Jeff Janis' thigh went from limited to full. Julius Peppers' rest and Mason Crowell's illness, they went from limited to full. So, uh, obviously, it's at that time of year. Now, forgive me if I, I haven't seen it. Morgan Burnett, is, I have to take a look at the, so I can find the injury report. But, I mean, he's he's critical to that def- defense. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, and, and that hybrid, I think there was reported about the hybrid position that he's on. Uh, just, uh, and you saw, I mean, Dallas scored 18 fourth quarter points, and obviously Burnett was out earlier than that. It's still, it's scary, right? Like, this isn't, I'm not, it's one thing where you have a high-powered offense, obviously, with Matt Ryan, first team all pro by the AP. Looks like he'll he's in the driver's seat, right, for uh, the, the MVP honors, which is justified for what he's done. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, not having that in, in the fact that the secondary obviously is the Achilles heel, but they're still, let's be honest, they're, they're one game away from the Super Bowl, which is amazing uh, with all the injuries they've had. Uh, but it, what, I mean, how, how do they defend the Falcons who, you know, and, and you look at, um, you know, it, it was reported too, Julio Jones, you know, he missed his second practice today uh, with, with his with that, that toe injury. So, uh, according to, you know, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you know, yeah, but says he'll be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah, he'll but... play. He'll, he'll play. Look, here's the thing. If you look at their injury report, it's very limited. Babineau uh, was limited. Taylor Gabriel was limited. Keanu Neal was a full participant. So, he seems to be fine. And then Julio Jones, I think, just got a, a maintenance day. Way different on the injury side than what's happening in the Packers camp. Um, by the way, you know, we talked about the defense and how they need Burnett and how different that is uh, without him. But I will say this, they're the unsung hero to me, you, know, you could talk about Rodgers, you talk about Crosby, you talk about Jared Cook, and those are all great. But Micah Hyde, I think, was the unsung hero um, on Sunday. Oh, that interception was amazing. This is the read. You could see it coming. And you saw, I mean, honestly, that's that was such a heads-up play. And with Dallas driving, next thing you know, it's picking it off. Now, granted, the, the next offensive series was Green Bay gave it right back up. But so much can be said for that heads-up play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, so, so, again, Atlanta's relatively healthy. And, you know, you mentioned all the injuries. And, you know, obviously Adams, Durant, I think in this order, Okay, in this order, they have to get back um, uh, Burnett and either Nelson or um, Adams. I'd like to have them both back, but but one of those two back, and then everybody else kind of falls in line after that, you know, because J. Ron Elliott's back. You know, I I think the third guy would be then Rollins, so it would be Burnett first, then one of those receivers, and then Rollins. And then anything else that you, if you can get both those receivers healthy, great. But again, I, it's I, unlikely that we'll have Jordy Nelson ready to go. But I think that's the pecking order, honestly. I think that's what you want uh, if you're the Packers and Packer fans is, is you'd like to see that because Rollins obviously helps uh, with that secondary. And, and you know what, what Morgan Burnett, as we talked about, can bring. By the way, interesting enough, um, this will be the last home game ever played at the, by the Falcons in the Georgia Dome. So um, they'll be moving into their new stadium, the Mercedes-Benz uh, Center Stadium, uh, next year. So it'll be interesting to uh, kind of put an end to. And what the, the correlation is this. Although it wasn't the playoff game, it got the Packers into the playoffs. The last game ever played in Milwaukee was the Packers in Atlanta. So hopefully the last game ever played in Atlanta will have the same outcome as uh, the last game ever at County Stadium. Yeah, no, it's 
I think Roger Goodell is going to be down there too, from what I've heard. Uh, so um, instead of at uh, New England, well, which I'm sure, well, he's, yeah, he's yeah. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, right? Um, yeah, probably makes the most sense. Um, and I and quite to be quite honest with you, I mean, I don't know what. I'm sure he's got a private jet. He could probably make it to the end of the AFC championship game in time to be there if he wanted to be. So, I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, so why not? Right. Right. But uh, let's talk about that game a little bit too. And then we'll come back and, and, and discuss what we think of, of, of the, because I know we, I got a prediction and I also have two scenarios that would change that prediction. Um, but yeah, you, 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 go, oh, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. I was going to say on that, that note, let's just take a, a quick break. Let's play the interview with former Wisconsin Badgers running back Dario Agumbawale. Uh, since he's down in Tampa, we'll play. You know, talk about we talk. Just it's a great conversation. Just about what he's doing to try to improve himself. Uh, what some of the drills that they're doing uh, at the East West Shrine game, which are, is really impressive, uh, and and just what he, you know what his Wisconsin career uh, and who he thinks. Is going to be the ne- you know the next uh, best running back at Wisconsin. We had a great conversation with Dare. Check it out right now. We'll come right back, preview the AFC Championship game, and make our picks here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Everybody, welcome back to Bucky's Fifth Quarter, uh, the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. It's Jay Kokorowski. Really fun uh, here out here. I'm looking outside right now. My window it's dark, but I'm hearing the raindrops fall. It's in the 30s. It's just not great weather here. Meanwhile, down in sunny St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay area, uh, we have former Wisconsin Badgers running back Daria Gumbawale. Of course, so not soaking up the rays per se. Maybe he is, but training and, and preparing himself for the East West Shrine game, which takes place. This Saturday, you guys can watch it. Uh, it's the you know, 21st. Uh, I was down at Tropicana Field. Dare, can you just give us the, the update from the weather standpoint down in Tampa, St. Pete? Uh, it's been great. You know, it's been real good weather. Practices have been hot. And uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, getting outside as much as much as we can. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, probably a lot nicer than what you're experiencing up there. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I just as a side side note, uh, Monday and Tuesday there was ice storms, uh, so that was fun uh, and and sliding out of my cul-de-sac. So that was a uh, did a full 360 almost uh, on the side street wow. to the main to the main road. So that was fun, uh, but you don't really have that down in Tampa. And, you, know, you mentioned you know obviously you're in Tampa, St. Pete, the Shrine game uh, going on. You mentioned that it's been hot. How's just the, the, the experience been so far? You know, you're here for, they're there for the week. Uh, how is it, you know, how is it getting experience from the coaching staff that there and, and just interacting with other, other players? It's been great, you know, um, getting a chance to play with some real good players. Um, obviously, you've got some good guys at Wisconsin, good players at Wisconsin, but, you know, getting the chance to meet new people and, and um, kind of hearing other people's stories and playing with some good players, like I said, so it's been real fun. And then also getting a chance to play play for some good coaches. You know, we're playing with uh, or being coached by NFL coaches right now, and um, getting a chance to kind of soak up all their knowledge as well throughout this whole process. It's been a real good week. 
Excellent. Here, here we go. Daria Gumbawale, former Wisconsin Badgers running back. Still sounds weird to say former Wisconsin Badgers running back. I mean, once a Badger, always a Badger, I'm, I know. But uh, now training down uh, in, in the Florida area. And, and before we talk a little bit more about the East West Shrine game, I mean, you, know, you and I were talking right before recording this. You know, you, right after the Cotton Bowl, you went down to Davie, Florida to, to train at Bomberitos. Uh, what made you go down there to train, and just what are they teaching you down there? I mean, you've been down there for less than a month. Yeah, but, uh, so yeah, like you said, right uh, the next day I went down to Davie, Florida, and uh, now I'm getting a chance to train with Pete Bomarito and his staff. And um, James White, he trained he trained down here a couple of years ago, and um, he definitely uh, is one of the main reasons I chose to train down here. Just because of what he said about the staff and obviously the success he ha- the success he had in the combine and things like that. And that's really what I'm learning down here is just, um, you know, help becoming a better sprinter um, for the 40 and, um, th- and the different position work and the, the drill work that we're going to do at the combine. And um, so, I'm, like I said, I'm just trying to get prepared for that. But at the same time, I mean, they, they offer a lot of, you know, rehab and, and treatment and things like that um, just to make sure your body's staying fresh and then, also, your mind, you know, we're getting coached by some, some guys that played in the NFL for a long time, so they're the ones putting us through the position drills because they know exactly how it works. And then also um, taking some wonder lick tests, you know, just to kind of be ready for that. Just really just training, training us all for the, uh, for the uh, combine, you know, and that's, and that's really what it's all about at this time or as soon as the uh, um, East-West Shrine is over. So just to confirm, too, you got the invite for the NFL Combine. Are you going to be heading over to Indianapolis in about a month? Yep, yeah, I got invited uh, a couple weeks back, you know. Uh, got, yeah, I got invited for the – actually, right after the bowl game, I found out I was invited to the uh, Combine. So, Congratulations, man. That's, that's huge. And, uh, you know, with – what you're seeing out of the East-West Shrine game, you know, I've seen some of the videos from some of the, the media that are down there. Uh, can you explain what that one drill was? I, th- I think it was from the NFL.com writer where you're holding the ball and then a coach is trying to yank it out. Was that a chain that was attached to the ball that was – and you're oh, running yeah. through the drills? Like what was that drill exactly? Yeah, so I've uh, I've played with a lot of coaches and I've done a lot of different running back drills with a lot of different people. But Coach Singleton, he's the running back coach with the Colts right now. He uh, he has some contraption that the ball is attached to a rope and and he is holding the end of the rope and uh, he's pulling on the rope and it's uh, took us a while to get used to. And, uh, <laughs> a bunch of guys, or the three of us, you know, we were kind of kind of struggling with it early on. I mean. Um, we got used to it, and then we started getting a lot smoother through the uh, through the drill. But uh, definitely at the start, it was something new to us, so we had 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 to take a while to get used to it. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of uh, what are what are you hearing back? Uh, like, have you talked to to NFL teams, and and, and what what are they liking? What are, what, are, what are some things they want to see out of you uh, when you're down there in Tampa? Um, you know, yeah, I've been talking to a lot of scouts, and that's one of the good things about a bowl like this. That, getting this, this exposure is that now I'm a lot more teams, you know, are showing interest in me. And, uh, yeah, I'm really hearing a lot of the same things, you know, I mean, we're having the interviews and they're asking about me as a person and things like that. And, and talking about my different roles and obviously special teams is going to be a big role with me at the next level. And, uh, but also um, be, me being able to use my versatility offensively, you know, doing a lot of different things. And uh, that's what I'm trying to make sure that I'm showing, um, showing the NFL uh, personnel now. And then um, also a lot of them were talking about my size um, prior to the weigh-in, and then 
me weighing in at uh, 208 um, definitely uh, opened some eyes and, and made uh, made a lot of people happy. I guess I could say just um, just showing that my size really is uh, really really is up there. And uh, we're here with Daria Gumbawale here on Bucky's fifth quarter. Daria is down and Tampa Bay, Florida, the St. Petersburg area for the East-West Shrine game. You guys can watch that, actually, Saturday, January 21st. That is this Saturday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. For those out east, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's has there been a player that's stood out to you even, and being a player yourself and you're participating in the drills, who stood out to you uh, on either the East or the West roster uh, so far? Well, so I haven't seen anyone from the East team. Uh, we, we we practice separately, and so um, gotcha. So from the West, I mean, I, I guess I really can't say anyone's standing out. I mean, honestly, I've I've been playing with some really good players. I mean, we got a really good wide receiver core. Um, the offensive line has definitely come together and uh, shown some chemistry, and uh, it's been it's been real good to run behind those guys. So, um, honestly, I can't really pinpoint any one person specifically. But like I said, that the receiving core that we have out here is a pretty good group of guys. Now, you, 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 you talked about James White earlier. Melvin Gordon, uh, obviously first-round draft pick from a couple of years back, uh, San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers. That's still weird to say, too. Uh, have they helped you out anyway? Have you reached out to them in terms of, the, the obviously, the combine process, the, the draft preparation process? Have you reached out to them or any other former Badgers? Oh, of course, of course. It'd be dumb not to use those resources. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a group chat with a lot of older guys that have gone through this process and and Melvin, he's obviously helping out some of us now going through the process as well. So, yeah, I've reached out to them and, and gotten pointers and, and things that I should work on, things that, you know, I don't really have to focus on as much during this time because, um, honestly, the combine, you know, you're, you're not training like a football player fully. You're kind of training more like a track athlete just to being able to do <laughs> these drills and, you know, um, run the 40 and things like that. So, yeah, I've been reaching out to them and making sure they've given me pointers, but, like I said, I mean, those guys have been really close to me throughout my whole career since I've been at Wisconsin. So, I mean, they've been quick to help me and, and been very helpful through this process. Yeah, only a few more questions. We'll let you get down to enjoying the, the Florida lifestyle uh, down there. Before you... <laughs> but, you know, is there uh, just in terms of uh, what you're hoping to improve? I know you talk about 40-yard drills. During this week, is there anything football-wise in terms of uh, either, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield, which we knew that you did a great job of here in Madison. Uh, but anything that you've heard about in terms of trying to improve yourself on uh, on the football field, whether it's pass protection, uh, making making some drill, you know, uh, just either running the ball, catching the ball. Is there anything that you've been working on specifically? Well, I've been working on, you know, just being a complete back. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm trying to improve on anything as much as I'm just trying to showcase some things down here. You know, I, I think I have a lot of uh, – <laughs> A lot of things to bring to the table. It's just kind of can be tough to make sure you show all of that to the to the scouts that are watching the practices. But I think I've done a pretty good job of that. And like I said, I've been hearing some pretty good things about myself and about my performances at these practices. But yeah, I wouldn't say there's some I want to improve on necessarily. But I do want to get better as a, as a complete running back and being able to, like I said, bring a lot of things to the table with whichever team I hopefully land on. That's very true, and yeah, I've heard good things as well. It's uh, and it's been uh, we uh, we mentioned that we've been hearing about that, which is great news. And you know, when you have, uh, you know, with 
with this Wisconsin, you know, with your career, and and you know, we documented it in Walk On This Way. Uh, uh, not to do a quick plug of the book, of course, but uh, we documented your career up through the 2015 season. And what memories do you have? Have you had a chance to really even look back on? You know, you mentioned it. You know, in your speech at the Big Ten lunch and being the what the 105th man on, on the roster essentially during the 2012 spring camp and our summer camp and working your way up through the ranks, being a cornerback, converting to running back, and now, you know, team captain, New Year's Six Bowl champion with, at the Cotton Bowl, and, and just the career you've had. Have you had a chance to kind of look back on it at all? And uh, just, uh, you know, just, I don't know, just take things in perspective? Honestly, no. No, I haven't. I mean, I, uh, after the Cotton Bowl, I quickly um, switched my mind in the training, you know, for the combine and things like that. And so I really haven't gotten the chance to just kind of sit back and reflect on the career I had, which was definitely a definitely a fun career, a wild career to to kind of document. But um, no, I, I really haven't yet, and I'm sure that that time will come where I'll get a chance to do that. But um, <laughs> I still think that my my favorite moment, you know, of of my career is just the fact that um, I was voted by my teammates to be to be a captain, you know, along with Vince. And I mean, I I, I just it's still you know really really exciting and moving to me just I mean these are guys that I you know a lot of some guys that I came in with um and knew me um as a walk-on and and knew how hard I worked during that time and then obviously there's some guys that didn't know me during that time but they still saw me as a leader and respected me as a leader and a player and um voted for me to be captain so I definitely think that's the uh the best moment and my, my favorite and most memorable moment of my career, but no, I mean, to be honest, I really haven't gotten a chance to just sit down and think back at the career I had at Wisconsin. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the team captain. You talked to a guy like Chris Maragos, uh, I think, talking to, was it Rick Wagner, if I'm not mistaken, when we did the book. You hear that team captain thing come up, and it was just, you know, uh, no one talking to other players about you. Uh, definitely just the respect you had. I remember talking to Coach Chris uh, for the book and just the, the, the amount of respect that uh, you gained from players and coaches. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, on that note, too, talking about 2017, uh, in your opinion, from what you've seen, you know, we, and we saw a guy like Bradrick Shaw step up and, and Taiwan deal, but even between certain injuries uh, the past couple of seasons, uh, who do you see in that backfield now that you and Corey Clement are, are, have now exhausted your eligibility or are, are, are fighting to make it into the NFL? And, uh, in, you know, who do you see really stepping up uh, in that Badgers backfield in 2017? Uh, I don't know if there will be one guy. Um, honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't think we have a situation where we had like a Corey and then um, a guy like myself, you know, complimenting him. I, I think that there's going to be three running backs, you know, that are going to get equal carries and an equal amount of yards at the end of the season. I mean, that's that's me probably just being a big brother to, to Taiwan, Bradrick, and Chris. But honestly, I, I think that it's going to turn out to be that way just because, I mean, I've watched these guys, um, I've, uh, more specifically Taiwan, I've watched him grow throughout his uh, throughout his years here. But then Brad and Chris, I mean, I've seen them in the in the short win that I've had with him as well. I've seen things that they've done, and uh, it's 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 impressive, you know. And I think those guys under under Coach Settle are definitely going to grow and to be really good players 
for Wisconsin, I, I can't really see uh, one of them standing out above the other just because <laughs> I know how hard all three of them work. So, um, I, I mean, I guess it may be uh, a cop-out answer for you not to um, say <laughs> one guy. But um, I, I definitely think that um, we're going to see special things from all three of those guys next season. Excellent to hear. Not a cop out at all. Uh, we've heard good things about all of them. So it's uh, on that note, Dari, I'm going to let you go just so that you enjoy your time down there in Florida. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, and, you know, so I know a lot of Badger fans will be watching that East-West Shrine game on Saturday. Thank you. And I read Kyle Costigan's uh, copy of Walk On This Way, and I must say it was a great job. And i got to make sure I get my own copy as well. And we're back. Big thanks to Dario Gumbawale for all his work uh, in terms of uh, making some time for us. He's a busy man down in Tampa. Hopefully he's really enjoying the sand and the beaches, along with obviously trying to improve his draft stock. We're hearing good things uh, here uh, and talking to a couple of people. Uh, so big thanks to Dario Gumbawale uh, here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Now, you know, you talked about James White being a factor in him going down to Bomberitos in the Miami area in Davie, Florida, right? Well, James White, New England Patriots, host the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night with the chance, obviously, to go to the Super Bowl to face either Atlanta or Green Bay. And James White, huge year over, if I'm not mistaken, 500 yards receiving. They have a great backfield, Deion Lewis, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, the offense for the Patriots in general with Tom Brady, Julius Edelman, you name it, those those weapons, they, they know how to utilize who they have in their personnel. Go Michael these- Floyd is, is a guy now that, that's made some, some plays since they picked him up. You know, New England, not as big of a surprise simply because, you know, a lot of people didn't think Houston had a shot. and uh, You know, the, Houston played well for a half, but the Patriots, even though they played sloppy, got the win. Playing the Steelers. Let's talk about the Steelers quickly. Um, you know, they got a win over Kansas City in a low-scoring kind of grinder game that you thought you were going to get. A controversial holding call on a two-point conversion that would have tied the game for the Chiefs. The Chiefs' home playoff woes continue. Um, just incredible how they can't win a home playoff game. That being said... Um, you get a big win by Pittsburgh, and then controversy immediately after that is Antonio Brown films Mike Tomlin's post-game um, uh, speech, <laughs> uh, his you know, which I, I just I am flabbergasted that I, I'm just flabbergasted that that anybody would think that that's okay. I I don't. I, I don't understand like why he you know a guy like Brown would think that 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 made sense. But anyway, they got to win. I, I still don't know. I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in the game right now, and that certainly helps. That certainly gives them a little bit of a leg up. Um, but other than that, you know, you got him and you got Brown. The defense has has played above I think their standards. And I, I really just don't I, – I, I'd like to see Pittsburgh win, but I just don't know that they can beat the Patriots. I think out of anyone that's uh, that was going to play – anyone that was going to do that, uh, have a chance against the Patriots in, in upset, 
I think it's Pittsburgh just based off of that that offense and what they have and those those combinations there. I, I in my opinion, I, I think they have the best shot. Uh, in I, I just don't. You saw with the Chiefs. I mean, not holding down that home field advantage. Not necessarily. A, a, I just didn't think that they could pull it off as well. I think with Roethlisberger, you have the quarterback and. Uh, that can make it happen. And Brown, and yeah, that there's distraction right now, obviously, with what's happening with their uh, you know, just with, with the Brown issue. And, and Tomlin called it out earlier this week, head, uh, head coach Mike Tomlin. But I think the offense, with you know, obviously with Bell and Brown and, and, and Roethlisberger, they have, a, they have a shot now. But you are against the Patriots, you know, the Patriots right. at home, 540 Central Time. I just, it's hard I don't to pick think, against them. I don't think you're going to get, see, if the Patriots played poorly, as poorly as they did last week, I think Pittsburgh beats them. I think it's a tall task to expect New England to look bad on offense two weeks in a row. And that's what they're going to need to do. I don't think Pittsburgh's defense can stop them. And I don't know, let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you believe in in the theory of bulletin board material motivating teams? From what I've heard and talking to others, I think so. I, okay. I, I, the reason why is that you just listen to some of the older stories, and yeah, they may not say stuff on the. You'll hear it. I guess like the easiest way to say it is, people will. Um, the coaches may say the coach speak. Okay, oh, that's not going to bother us. It's not going to do this. It's yada yada. But, you know, people – I've heard before stories of teams using that stuff as built-in board material where they'll, they'll put it up there and, and, you know, drive it home of, you know, like, okay, the Badgers with, with the under – being underdogs in like the, against UCLA. Guarantee it. I think Barry Alvarez even called it out in, in Don't Flinch where, oh, yeah, I mean, that's – they're underdogs. Yeah, they'll, they'll play nice in the media, but behind closed doors, yeah, that's built-in board material. And sure. So that's where I feel – there's there's something there. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm a little bit torn on it because I believe it depends on the situation. I believe most some teams some teams use that to to kind of inspire them. Some teams are just always inspired and are always business like. But if there was a chance that Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, that New England was going to take things for granted, that went away when Antonio Brown filmed Tomlin's speech and posted it all over the place. So if you if if you were already in the camp that believed that the Patriots were the best team in the AFC, this can only fire them up more. This can only make Pittsburgh's uh, chances that much more slim to get the upset and move on to the Super Bowl. So, uh, again, I, it was foolish. You know, I, I think, you you know, you kind of go – what you should do is suck up your pride for a minute, go on in there, play the, the, play the underdog, play the sleeping giant – and then wax them, surprise them, win the game, pull the upset, and go to the Super Bowl. Now you basically – it's kind of like fighting a war and throwing grenades when you're you know, three miles away and now everybody knows you're coming. I, I think you, you can sneak in there under the cloak of night and then you get it done. Yeah. So this – I'm intrigued by the matchup. I mean it's uh, – how do I say it? I don't know. It'll be a fun game. These are going to be two fun games. 
I mean, with Packers and Falcons, I think it's almost first one to fifty. Uh, I made a joke on that right after the game, right after the the Packers win. But you know, you have two high-profile offenses. Uh, Pittsburgh and New England should be just as entertaining in, in the nightcap. And it, you know, it, I think either either set of you know whoever the how it comes out to be with the combinations. I mean, I think it's going to be a fun Super Bowl, and it's going to be like some fun storylines where, you know, can Matt Ryan, if he does, if the Falcons do win, does he finally get over that? You know, everyone talks about the the quarterbacks that haven't won the Super Bowl, the Jim Kelly who played in it, Dan Marino who played in it but didn't win, um, coming so close and and not reaching that pinnacle of having a world championship for football. You know, it's just it's just gonna be fun football for the next couple weeks, and, and and just seeing how this all plays out. I you know, and I don't know. I, is it weird that I think even the Steelers Patriots game is a little bit more alluring than than Packers Falcons? And that's looking omnisciently. I'm just looking above where I'm obviously uh, in Wisconsin. It's deeply focused here, but I think almost Steelers Patriots might be more intriguing of a matchup compared to Packers Falcons. Well, I'll tell you what the the NFL. First of all, by the way. The final four teams, you have three quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. So, yeah, Matt Ryan fits the description of what you were talking about. Guy who hasn't had a chance to even play for one yet. But um, I think the NFL, if the Packers would have beaten Atlanta in a regular season, they lost by a point, they would have hosted Atlanta last week. Dallas would have played Seattle. If the Packers could have beaten Atlanta at home, Imagine what the ratings would be for this championship weekend. Packers, Cowboys, Steelers, Patriots. I mean, are there four more iconic teams than those four? Absolutely. You know, I mean, Dallas, you know about their fan base. The Packers fan base, the Steelers fan base, and the Patriots. I, I mean, I think that would have been the the dream matchups if, if they could reseed the playoffs and, and get those four teams to play each other. Uh, that's what the NFL would have wanted. Now, don't get me wrong. The ratings are going to be good for both of these games. Probably higher for Steelers-Patriots just because it does bleed into prime time a little bit. But, man, if you could have gotten uh, just a re-rack and had Packers-Cowboys leading off and then going into Steelers-Patriots, I think the uh, the NFL ratings would have blown through the roof. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I agree. And, in, in obviously, the success – throughout for all those franchises that would have been monumental uh but you know still gonna be fun uh and obviously we'll be coming down you know talking next week either about the packers their season in review which okay i I think i posed this question last week let's talk about this week if the packers lose this week and obviously there's so much talk about the super bowl at the beginning of the season Mm-hmm. Success or failure? I mean, success or failure based on off the hype, because now they went in, they gone, went into Dallas, they beat the number one seed. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, right? And thrown, they they come back and they beat the team that throttled them and just pounded them in the ground at home in the regular season, and now they have to go on the road again and, I, and prove themselves against the Falcons. My answer doesn't change. It's a failure if they don't make it to the Super Bowl. Because I know they overcame some odds and that saved the season. It made the season not a disaster because they turned it around at four and six. But think about the reasons why it would be a failure. They beat the number one seed 
but then couldn't seal the deal and go on to the Super Bowl. And I talked about it last week. Your window, when you have an elite quarterback, your window is very small. It's very tight. You know, there's maybe three or four more years of Aaron Rodgers as a Super Bowl quarterback, okay? You can't, you know, you think back at some of the, the, the loss to Seattle, the loss when they were 15-1. and one. Those were seasons they could have been in the Super Bowl and, and damn well should have been. So you blew those seasons already. Now, you can't go back and get them back. I get it. But you can't squander more opportunities to get to the Super Bowl because there's not very many of them. You can't take anything for granted. Look at look at last year's Super Bowl teams. Look at Denver and Carolina and even Arizona, who was a Super Bowl contender. Neither one of them made the playoffs this year. So you just can't take it for granted. You can't go, well, if it doesn't happen this year, you know, we're always in the playoffs. Yeah, but one year they won't be. You you can't miss out on on those golden opportunities. So while it, as I said, it's the season's not a disaster. The season was a good season, but it's not a success unless they're playing for a Super Bowl in 17 days. Absolutely. So it, it's yeah, I, I agree. I think if they, if they play in the Super Bowl, they lose in the Super Bowl. I think it's I still I think it's a success. Yeah, I, I can live with that. If they got to the Super, if they win an NFC Championship game. Even if they don't win a Super Bowl, they got they gave their elite quarterback another shot at a ring. Okay, Absolutely. but if if they don't give him a shot, the window's closing. Mhm, mhm. So, looking ahead, let's let's make our picks then. Uh, going through, uh, go ahead, Scotty, you go first. Well, I'll start with the AFC game. Um, I think the Patriots win, uh, thirty-one to twenty-six. Um, and I, I say 26 because they have Steelers like to go for two and they'll miss a two point conversion somewhere in there, whatever. But I think it's a closer, it's close. I don't think the Patriots are going to beat them like they beat Houston, but I think the Patriots win. And man, oh man, oh man, I, I want to think differently on this one. I think Atlanta 37 30, or sorry, 38 34, they beat the Packers. Again, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong. If the Packers are fully healthy, I think they win this game. But we won't know that till Saturday, and it's Thursday. So we have to make a prediction. And going by what we feel is going to happen, I don't think they're going to have enough of those injured players back, and that's going to cause them to fall short. So understand, the caveat is if Adams and um, – if Adams plays and, and uh, they get you know Rollins back and they get Burnett back, I think they win the game. Uh, but if two of those three I just mentioned are out, they don't win the game. Yeah. Um, AFC, I think Patriots win. I think it's like 35-28. And then I think, yeah, I'm going to ride the hot hand. I say Packers, I think upset 41-38. Off leg of Crosby one more time. Uh, I just I don't. Uh, they've gone to him and like I said, we talked with him before we joined Bucky's fifth quarter. We talked with Mason Crosby as part of our when we were independent as the uh, uh, and and just uh, seeing how he. I mean, we asked him, we asked him right away, right? Like I remember your first question to him was, you know, like how do you rebound from this? And I mean, you know, like he answered it fully, honestly, and it was great with it. And, and, you know, we had a great talk with him uh, and, and just seeing how he's rebounded and become, like, 
one as Aaron Rodgers said, the best kicker in the in, in the NFL. It's remarkable, and so I think the way he keeps going, uh, I, I he he's solid, he's durable. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing it here, but I think the Packers win 41-38, and we have a rematch of uh, Super Bowl was it Super Bowl 31. Uh, and uh, it'll be quite the interesting game, and, and I, it, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to, to see what happens there. So, Absolutely. Uh, By the way, did you know, we probably knew this already, Matt Ryan actually, uh, over the course of the season, threw for uh, 500, well, just over 500 more yards than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had a great year. Matt Ryan was 56 yards short of a 5,000-yard season. Jeez. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. Uh, also insane. Talking about that's a not the greatest segue, but let's go. Let's go there. Let's talk Bucks real quick, right? Uh, right. Got a little more time to, before we uh, take it home from here. Simple fact of um, you have, and it's really fun. Uh, Giannis Adentokounmpo, first uh, was it All Star Game starter. He started for the 2017 All Star Game. It is he's the first Bucks All Star since Michael Red in two thousand four. So think about that, and the first starter since Sidney Moncrief in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, he's the youngest player in the franchise history to start an All Star game. He's twenty two years seventy four days. Kareem Abdul Jabbar twenty three years two hundred and seventy one days. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, February nineteenth in or- in New Orleans. He'll be starting for the 66th NBA All-Star Game. Insane. Uh, your thoughts on Adendo Kumpo having, you know, he's leading, like, what, he's got career highs and points and rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. Your thoughts on his play this season, which obviously has been high, but also just what it means to, to the Bucks and the organization for having a, a player in the All-Star Game again for the first time in, what, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And... And also, just what it means, just I, I don't know, overall, like, and what it means to this this growing superstar, who in a couple of years could be rivaling, I don't know if he'll ever, obviously LeBron, but he might be the most dynamic player. Yeah, in the league. I, I think in a few years he will be him and 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 uh, Russell Westbrook will probably be the two best players in the NBA in four or five years. Um, that being said, um, first of all, I. I I'm not happy that they've lost five out of seven and that they've been inconsistent and they need to fix that and, and start playing better. But it just shows you how much even more impressive, because there have been some Bucks teams that have been a little bit better over the last 15 years, have been a little bit better at the All-Star break and couldn't even get a reserve. The fact that the fans voted for him, the fact that the uh, media and the other players voted for him and had recognized him for the for, for the type of player he is, it's amazing. Milwaukee doesn't get a lot of love in the NBA. It really doesn't. They get overlooked a lot, partially the market, um, partially the fact that the team hasn't been real successful uh, over the last two and a half decades aside from maybe three or four really good seasons. So to get that kind of respect – um, to get on national TV a couple times, I'm still waiting for them to be on ABC. That'll tell the tale. But to be to be on national TV more because people want to see Giannis. Um, to have that as a building block as you move into a new stadium in, in two years. Um, 
and he's only going to get better and you hope that he gets better with the nucleus that's around him. It's amazing. It's it's it really you know, I, I know people say it's just an all-star game. If you don't follow the NBA and don't understand the way this market's looked at around the league, then you're missing the point. You're missing the point. There's this is huge because this doesn't this isn't like the Packers going to the Pro Bowl. That's not how this works in the NBA. Uh, the Bucks are usually, as you mentioned, ignored, forgotten about. Maybe they'll get somebody in the, the, the rookie game, or maybe once in a while they'll get a guy in a three-point shootout, and then that's like a win. Like, oh, we didn't get an all-star, but, hey, somebody's going to shoot three-pointers all day. This is huge. So good for Giannis, good for the organization. Um, it, you know, I, I think it's it's great, and, and I'm – I'm uh, uh, happy to see, um, happy to see that he made. Now the rest of the All Stars, just so you know, in the East it'll be Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, Demar Derozan, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Derozan actually and Isaiah Thomas tied for a spot, and then they go by fan vote as the tiebreaker. On the West side, Russell Westbrook's not a starter. But you want to talk about a loaded choice for backcourt. Curry, Harden, um, and Westbrook. Well, Curry and Harden get in. Again, very close. Westbrook will be an all-star. It's obvious. They'll announce reserves next week. Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis wasn't the leader uh, going into the uh, fan voting. It was actually Zaza Pachulia who was getting all the foreign vote. But the Writers and the rest of the league were like, yeah, no, no. Um, there's players who played better than Zaza Pachulia. So Pachulia didn't get the starting nod. Yeah, it's – I think – Which, by a- the way, by the way, it also happened in the East. I'm sorry. Kevin Love and Dwayne Wade won the fan votes, but neither one of them will be starting. It will be DeRozan and Jimmy Butler starting in their spot. So I kind of like that they take the fan vote into consideration. However, however, that they don't use it as the only determining factor because sometimes great players get snubbed that way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where I mean, it'll be fun to watch. I think there will be a huge buzz when it comes to what happens. Um and honestly, I it, it's gonna be it'll be fun to see a representative of the Milwaukee Bucks there in New Orleans, and it's not part of the rising team or the three point competition or the skills competition or the the rising stars challenge. It's legitimately a you know you have the fact that you have a legitimate candidate, you know, a, a legitimate all star in there for the first time in, in 12, 13 years. So, by the way, it's going to be played in New Orleans in the worst named basketball arena ever. So, I don't know if you know this, but the New Orleans arena is now called the Smoothie King Center. That sounds delicious, actually. That's yes, nice. yes, the Smoothie King Center. So, there you go. Hey, let's switch gears real quick. I know we, 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 we're going to wrap it up soon, but. I want to talk baseball. I want to talk about the Hall of Fame voting real quick. And uh, three guys get elected. Um, a couple guys just missed, but Tim Raines, uh, a guy who uh, 
had been on the ballot for a while. Jeff Bagwell, who was one actually one of my favorite players during the quote unquote steroid era, and uh, Pudge Rodriguez. So they get in. Barry Bonds didn't get in. Roger Clemens didn't get in. They will get in. Okay. Um, I think you saw more vote. They will get in. Let's put it to rest and let them in. You know, because again, a lot of people cheated in that era, and it's hard to know who. Um, I, I I also think that eventually Alex Rodriguez will get in. Here's what I don't understand, though. Mark McGuire doesn't deserve to be an all-star on his overall body of work. Yes, he hit a lot of home runs, but I don't put him in the same class as even a Sammy Sosa, who I thought was a little bit more well-rounded player, right? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I Let's talk about because we know these steroid, quote unquote, steroid guys are going to start getting in. Uh, but then you got some other guys who eventually, you know, Chipper Jones and um, Jim Tomei, uh, Vladimir Guerrero and Trevor Hoffman, who didn't make it on this ballot. They're going to have a shot to get in. Um, in 2019, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, R- Rivera they'll be on the uh, ballot. Rivera's in for sure, right? I mean, right. Uh, you know, so I, it's. Well, I do think, you know, 2020, Derek Jeter, he's a first he's a first ballot guy, right? You know, so it might not be until 2019, 2020 before Bonds or Clemens get in. Um, But I I just keep looking, you know, with other guys who are going to be eligible. And I I just can't see a class where, you know, I think Suzuki is going to be a guy who gets in at some point. I don't see McGuire getting in. I just I I tried to look for when guys are going to be eligible. And uh, I just can't see it. I can't see a time that he makes it. Yeah, I, I'm i still split, and obviously you follow baseball a lot more than I do, but it's starting to, like, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens when you have, a you know, the younger writers and when, they, you know, those that are, that grew up in this era and just seeing the attitudes changing and, you know what I mean? Where I guess I'm just I'm, I'm wondering what, how attitudes will change, and what it you know you see like you mentioned like you know the, the Bonds and Clemens and the, them getting on the ballots. Will they get on? You know, will they get on? I think it, it will. Uh, I mean, but you know, Chipper Jones is an interesting one. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know. You look at a guy like. Like Vlad Guerrero, which you know, I know Dan Patrick today on his radio show talked about how he felt he was like, uh, you know, one one of the best, if not the best player in baseball at, at one point when he played. Uh, you know, he had seventy two percent of the vote. Trevor Hoffman missed it by one percent. Uh, yeah, which is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, but, but I think I think Hoffman, Guerrero, and Guerrero and Chipper Jones get in next year. Chipper Jones yeah. is the first time. So I mean, I know it's you'd like to be a first ballot guy, but. I think Guerrero and Hoffman, I, I honestly believe they're locks to get in. They're, they're going to get in. Um, but like I said, and then I think shortly thereafter that is when you'll see, you know, Rivera, Tome, Bonds, maybe Edgar Martinez, maybe the straight DH finally gets in in two years. You know, that, uh, that'll that be interesting because he was a guy who really was a DH for 95% of his career. And you'll see it come up again in five five years with uh, with Big Poppy. You know, a guy who 90% of his career was as a DH. 
Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I'm... I don't know. It'll be fun to see. I mean, I guess, like... Like, where's the cutoff line with the steroids talk? Like, is it those that were just... Obviously, the guys like Rafael Primero, right? Lied under oath, essentially, gets yeah. busted. That's why he won't get in. Here's the thing. I, I think it comes down... And, and you know, I think... I, I was reading it on ESPN, and, and I, I want to say it was um, one of the bloggers. Maybe it was Schoenfeld. Um, he feels the same way about Bonds and Clemens will get in. Maybe Rodriguez. I think Rodriguez gets in. He doesn't think Rodriguez will. He said the line is drawn because Rodriguez, Ramirez, Palmero, and Ryan Braun, he threw in there, flunked tests, whereas Bonds and Clemens never really flunked the test, even though you'd have to be completely blind to think they didn't use steroids. So he thinks that the, the cutoff, I believe, if I'm, I, I don't have it up in front of me, but that Clemens was the cutoff. I think Rodriguez is the cutoff. So I think the guys below that, um, like uh, you know, uh, Ramirez, Palmero, uh, and Braun. I don't know about Sosa. I, I don't think McGuire has the pedigree. That's why I don't put him in there. Uh, Sosa, I don't know. He could be the wild card, you know, too. But I, I do think eventually A Rod will get in. It won't be his first year of eligibility. He'll probably have to wait four or five years, just like Bonds and. And Clemens are waiting, but I, I do think he'll get in at some point, just because some of the numbers. And I know he's a much like Bonds to a divisive character, a guy that you kind of love to hate. Um, but I don't know. We'll I guess we'll see, right? I mean, we'll see how that all plays out. That's I, I used to have this conversation with my former colleague and good friend uh, Matt Salmon. We'd always have at least once a year. We'd start talking about who's a Hall of Famer. You know, when do they get in? Um, so it's kind of nice to have those discussions. Speaking of Hall of Famers, okay, maybe not. Maybe this isn't a Hall of Famer, but the Brewers signed somebody who will probably be their closer. And I, I think it's a good move by uh, bringing in Feliz. Uh, he was a guy who's had some ups and downs but seemed to right the ship last year in Pittsburgh. They bring him in, Neftali Feliz, for one year, a little over $5 million. Good price, good contract. He's good for a year. If they're in a contention and he's pitching well, great. They likely won't be in contention, but if he's pitching well, you can deal him at the uh, trade deadline, deal him for some prospects to a team who's looking to bolster their bullpen. It's a it's a win-win. You're, you're not on the hook for long terms. Um, he's got a career ERA of 322 and almost a strikeout per inning, 99 career saves, and He'll be one of the candidates. He'll get a chance to try to close games for the Brewers this year. However many chances that is, is still remains to be seen, I think. Yeah, I, and obviously with Stearns, what they're doing, they're in their rebuilding mode. It remains to be seen what will come out of the, the picks they have, but you have your closer role now kind of set up with, obviously, Jeremy Jeffress out. Uh, Tyler Thornburg uh, sent this off season. Sure, you, you know, you trust the process. They have guys in the bullpen now. They have someone that can close the games, and we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, like what he's doing there, and uh, obviously uh, we'll see how that youth movement movement grows with the rest of the team. So, Well, and we had a discussion with one of my, my good friends about it, too. They're like, well, you don't need, teams that are rebuilding don't need a closer. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Teams that are rebuilding don't need a high-price closer that they're on a hook for for three years. Every team needs a closer, especially one that's tradable. So 
Um, so, you know, let's let's correct because I know some people say, what do they need a closer for? They might only win 70 games. Every team needs one, and they can become a valuable trade asset. And we looked at look at the teams that made the playoffs last year. Cle- even at Super, the, the World Series teams and the Cubs and Cleveland, they bolstered their bullpens uh, at the All-Star break, bringing in closers to be setup guys in some cases or bringing in closers and moving their closers to setup guys because the, the formula seems to be, especially in the postseason, get five innings out of your starters and have a deep bullpen to get you through the postseason. And that formula worked last year. So there's no reason to believe that if you have a pitcher in your bullpen who's pitching well and you're out of contention that you're not going to be able to deal them for at least some mid-level prospects. Yep. No, I agree. So uh, even in those down years for the for the Brewers, and you know, from what, the mid-90s on, you still had guys like Doug Jones. You still had guys like, I mean, Turnbow before he was uh, rolling. Um, you know, um, you have to have someone there. You have to have right. someone that helps lock down the games that can win uh, and that you can build off of something from there. On that note, uh, other quick tidbits. Kurt Angle named to the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2017, uh, which is yeah. uh, – that thing's got to be fun. Hopefully there will be some some form. I'm sure they'll do something with him uh, if yep. he's doing yep. better. Uh, in ter- I, I, I think I, I think they will. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done this now. I really do. I think that mentally, physically, uh, from a public relations standpoint, there's been some some time that has passed since some of the incidents with Kurt Angle. I think they're ready to put him in at least some sort of a a program, even if it's for one match or one something or another. Um, I, I think it's it's. I, mean, I think it's a good move and. I hear rumors that Diamond Dallas Page might be elected this year. I'm all for that, too. A guy who really made himself into a star for WCW. A guy who did everything he could to get trained when nobody wanted to train him. Former nightclub owner, turned manager, announcer, turned wrestler, turned world champion. so Turned yoga master, apparently. So um, I think a guy who deserves it as well. And we'll see as they unveil more of the class in the upcoming week. Absolutely. On that note, guys, uh, I just want to thank you guys for tuning into this first, this new edition. We're going to keep tweaking this new format. It'll still be on Blog Talk Radio, but we are recording this not live, but in uh, record, basically our own version of a recording studio utilizing uh, some new software. Um, so stay tuned for some more changes. Uh, big thanks to Daria Gumbawale for joining us tonight. Lots of fun. Uh, talking with him a little earlier. Uh, big thanks, obviously, to Scotty in terms of uh, we have this new format down. Uh, tune back in next week. Packers, either year in review or we're pre- starting to preview the Super Bowl. Also, Bucks. Talk a little bit more Bucks. We'll talk some Wisconsin basketball a little bit more in depth uh, now that uh, Guarded Optimism, the uh, our Bucky's fifth quarter basketball podcast. Not necessarily, uh, I would say, uh, is uh, well with Kurt Hogue now gone. Uh, we'll have to definitely. I want to really dive into the the Badgers and their Big Ten season, and yeah. the fact that anyone can beat anyone in the Big Ten now. It's kind of crazy. Uh, we can also discuss Fran McCaffrey and just his volatility and uh, great uh, professionalism. Uh, sarcasm, folks, uh, out on the court uh, for Iowa basketball. So we'll dive into that a little bit. They've deeper. had some real doozies coaching there, by the way. Yeah, I know, right? 
Yeah, we'll do these. So we'll talk some Big Ten basketball. We'll talk some Marquette basketball as well uh, with, with the Big East, uh, which shapes up to be uh, another a great year for that conference. And on top of that, guys, uh, you guys have a great week. For Scott Wisniewski, the Polish Rifle, this is Jake Kokorowski. Doza Bacenia, my friends. We'll talk to you next week.